Matthew chapter 5. Last week we started a new series in here that we're going to be in for a little while on the Beatitudes of Matthew. Uh, Actually, the Beatitudes of Jesus, they're in Matthew, the book of Matthew. They're also uh, found in the book of Luke. And um, one of the reasons why we're going to spend some time uh, in this particular series is that I I believe that for a lot of us, um, we want to be happy. I, um, I, I mentioned that last week, how Uh, Most Americans want to be happy. I don't know very many in the church uh, that don't want to be happy. I I, I mentioned there are some, it seems, that are only happy when they're unhappy. But for most people, we want to be happy. The problem is our culture, and us too from time to time, we depend on our circumstance to give us happiness. And so if our circumstances are good, then we're happy. But when our circumstances change, then we're not happy. And, and, and I get to thinking about that concept, and then I think about the words of Jesus where he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, and I have to ask myself, was he serious? Did he really mean that, or was it just a good thought? And I, I don't. I believe that he meant that. I believe that Jesus desires for his followers to have an abundant, joy-filled life. Yet it eludes us so often. And so what we're doing is taking some time to look at these different Beatitudes that are here. The reason why we're doing that is because the Beatitudes give us the characteristic of happiness, each of them. And they also turn around and give us the reason why that characteristic makes us happy. And so, and it's a happiness that has nothing to do with circumstance. It's happiness that goes beyond our circumstance. It's a deep inner joy that comes from from these characteristics and from the reasons that we're told that we're blessed by them. And the reason why we talk about happiness, because some people go, well, I see that word, it says blessed. I don't, blessed, I thought meant, I didn't know that meant happiness. Well, in, in the Greek, the word blessed there means happiness in spite of circumstances. As a matter of fact, we mentioned last week that in the day of Jesus, that word was really particularly only used to describe the happiness of the gods of the day because it was thought that only the gods could have a happiness that went well beyond circumstance, that they were not dependent upon circumstances to make them happy. Yet we as people, a lot of times, even in that day, depended on circumstance to make us happy. And then Jesus throws this word blessed in front of them and says, blessed are you, or blessed are those who are. And he gives us all these different characteristics there. And so we're going to spend some time on that uh, this week. Now, before we jump in today, you need to understand that in each beatitude that we're going to look at, Jesus does a, a, a couple things. For each one, he gives us a characteristic. That's the first thing he does, is he gives us a characteristic, and then he gives us the reason. Okay, And so the way we're going to look at all of these is we're going to look at the characteristic and then we're going to look at the reason. And the first one we're going to look at is found in in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. So if you have your Bible with me, I'm going to ask if you would open and stand with me for the reading of God's Word in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, And seeing the multitude, he went up on the mountainside, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. God, I pray today that you'd bless the reading of your word. And now as we examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase and that the words will be shared would be yours and not mine. 
And Father, that you would work in our hearts and our lives. You would teach us what we need to know today, that you would meet us at our point of need through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, there's a few things I, I've, I've always found, uh, and I didn't put this in my notes, but I, I underlined and wanted to point out. But one of the things that uh, I like about the Beatitudes is their definitive, their, their definites. When, when you see this, and you see it in this very first one, and then we're going to jump into it a little bit. But if you look at the first one in verse 3, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not, not blessed, maybe. Not blessed, possibly. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then in the reason, he does the same thing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not might be the kingdom of heaven. Not possibly be the kingdom of heaven. They're all definitive. And so when we look at this, they're all definitive in each and every case. And so the first one that he mentions here that we're going to talk about today is being poor in spirit. And to really look at this this morning, I got three things that I want us to see. The first one is I want to look at the blessed characteristic that he mentions, the being poor in spirit and what that means. Now, I want to start by talking first about what that doesn't mean. Okay, what being poor, uh, poor in spirit doesn't mean. Being poor in spirit does not refer to any financial or material poverty. It has nothing to do with being physically poor. Okay, it has nothing to do with being financially destitute or in material poverty. Being poor in spirit does not mean a lack of vitality or courage. It does not mean that you are a coward. It does not mean that you lack energy or vitality. It has nothing to do with that. Being poor in spirit does not mean false humility that is designed to gain sympathy or um, respect from other people. You see that sometimes, by the way, people who really aren't humble, but yet they make themselves humble because they're searching for a compliment. Right? They, 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 they talk down on themselves, and the reason why they do that is not because they're truly humble, but because they can't wait to hear you build them right back up. And being poor in the spirit is not that. That's not what it means. And the last one is being poor in spirit does not have anything to do with suppressing our own personality. It is not suppressing your personality. You and I are all created in the image of God, and there are some good things about us that, are, that God created within us that are good. Some things in our personality are good, uh, and God wants to use those things in our personality to, to minister for him. There are also some things in each and every one of us in our personality and in our lives that aren't so good that God wants to work on and change and adapt to come closer into line with what his word desires for us. But, but being poor in spirit is not about suppressing your personality. That's not what it's about. Okay, and so I want to start with that. If that's not what it is, what is it? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, to really grasp this, you have to first understand the definition of poor. Because that's what he's using to describe those. They're poor in spirit. The Greek word that is used for poor here comes from a verb that literally means this. To, to shrink or to cower or to cringe. And in the day of Christ, when they would use this particular verb to describe poor people, it was not talking about someone who just didn't have some money or didn't have as much money as others. 
When someone was thought to be, in this case, this kind of poorness, it was describing those who were relegated basically into the corner of society, and they had no hope for anything because they had not just some things, they had nothing, absolutely nothing. And the reason why it defined them is because they were dependent on everyone else for living. That if someone, they were so poor that if someone didn't come along and give them the bare necessities, they were going to die. That is what he's described here. That's what that word means. It is used to describe the poor, not just the basic poor, but those that are so poor that they needed someone to help them in order to live. Now, you and I have a hard time probably comprehending that concept especially in our country, because we have wealthy people and we have poor people in our country, but not very many people in our country have absolutely nothing, whereas there's nowhere to go, but basically in the corner of society begging for the bare essentials to survive. That's what he's describing here. So that's what it means to be poor, to have absolutely nothing, nothing. But look at what he's using. Not just, not poor monetarily. Look at what he says. He didn't say blessed are those who are poor in wealth or poor in finance. He says blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So what's he mean by that? What Jesus is talking about when he's talking about this kind of poverty in spirit, he is literally describing someone who is, has humility in their spirit. They are those that are humble before God, that they realize that in spirit, they have absolutely no standing before God in and of themselves. Nothing. They have no right to stand before God in and of themselves. They are completely humble in spirit. It also means that spiritually, they are destitute. Now, what I mean by that is that apart from Christ, apart from Christ, they are without any means of spiritual substance whatsoever. That they have an utter lack of spiritual goodness. Completely spiritually bankrupt. That's what he's talking about. So he uses a word for poverty in means of wealth and then uses that term to describe those who are that way in spirit. And what he's doing is this. He is making... A distinction and showing us that those who are poor in spirit are those that that uh, have a conscious confession of their unworthiness before God spiritually. It, it's it's literally if you want to say it like this, and this is the term that I wrote down and or, or phrase, and it's always helped me to remember this particular beatitude. It is literally to say this: spiritually, I am nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. I stand in need of everything spiritually. Now, that flies in the face of a lot of American Christianity today, because we're taught in our culture that, that the thought of being genuinely joyful or genuinely happy satisfied in any way of coming being poor in anything is diametrically opposed to what our culture tells us today. It, it's, it's the very reverse of that independent and defiant attitude 
that we have sometimes towards God. Now, I want you to note how being poor in spirit, I want you to think about it. This is the opposite of coming to God in pride. Pride. It is the idea of humbling yourself before God to the point that you realize that you are nothing before him. You have no standing spiritually before God. You have nothing good when it comes to standing in the presence of God. And again, in our world today, being poor in spirit, we equate this with pressed or weak or timid or passive, and that is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about those who come to an understanding that spiritually, poor in spirit, that spiritually I have absolutely nothing and I am in need of everything. That's essential to our salvation, church. If you don't understand that you have nothing to offer for salvation, then you may not actually have salvation. Because the only way to be saved is by grace of God through faith in Jesus. Not faith in a prayer, not faith in a baptism, not faith in a church attendance, not faith in joining a church or giving your money or singing your songs. You can have all the faith in those things you want. They will always leave you wanting because the only way to have standing before God is for God to stand for you in the midst of God, which is what Jesus does for us. That's what he's talking about. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. They have absolutely nothing to offer spiritually in and of themselves. Now, again, everyone knows that's not the way to get ahead in our culture. Everyone knows that, you know, the, the only way to attain happiness today is is to assert ourselves and to care about nothing but ourselves. And, and we're taught that the only vice is weakness and the only virtue that is really worth anything is strength. And, and we're, we're encouraged to be strong and we're told the world is yours if you can reach out and take it. And that's not our lives. You see, unfortunately, the conventional wisdom of our world today is opposed to the biblical wisdom of God. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. It tells us this very specifically. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. So these things that Jesus is going to teach us about being blessed, are, they're completely upside down from what the world would teach. You see, the world would teach and they would think, you know, blessed are the rich, blessed are anything but blessed are the poor in spirit. And when he means poor in spirit is to understand that apart from, from God, spiritually, you are absolutely nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. Spiritually, spiritually, that's the key. Spiritually, I have nothing. I can do nothing. I am nothing. And I am in need of everything spiritually. That's what he means to be poor in spirit. Now, what does this look like? Let me give you a few examples this morning before uh, we get to the last point and the reason. What does this look like? In Scripture, there are a few examples that we can look at that demonstrate what this looks like in the life of a godly person, to be poor in spirit, to have such a humility in their spirit, to know that they're not worthy. Apart from God, they have no worthiness spiritually. And there's a few of them I'll point out to you. One of them is by a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon lived in the Old Testament day, and God had come to Gideon at one point and told him that, that God told Gideon that I'm going to use you to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. 
Midianites were, were, were there and they were uh, coming against Israel and, and God comes to Gideon and says, I'm going to use you to save Israel. But listen to the response in Judges chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, what Gideon said to God saying that he was going to be used to save Israel. Listen to what he said. I believe it, it demonstrates the fact that he was poor in spirit. He says, oh my Lord, with shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He tells God, I'm nothing. I, I, I don't have anything to offer. I, the, you mean you're going to use me to deliver Israel? I'm, I'm unworthy because I'm nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. There's nothing about me that's special. And, and that's what it means to be poor in spirit, to understand that. Another example of that is Isaiah, another Old Testament character. He saw a vision from God. He saw a vision from heaven, if you will. And, and, and Isaiah demonstrated when he saw this vision that he was poor in spirit because his words were this, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. That when he just saw the very presence of God, Isaiah shrunk. He cowered. Poverty. I'm nothing. I, I, I'm a man. I'm, woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not even worthy to speak for you. And I'm not worthy to see this because I am nothing spiritually. Isaiah is a great example. Peter's another great example. Which I love the, the character Peter in the New Testament because he reminds me of me a lot. Our, however you want to word that. But um, what I mean by that is, is Peter, Peter oftentimes would open his mouth and insert his foot. You ever done that before? Where you said something, and as soon as you said it, you realize that you shouldn't have said it, and it's like open mouth, insert foot. Paul, or Peter did that all the time. He, he, all the time. He tells, he tells Jesus, I'll never deny you. You know, and then we see Peter, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, bid me to come to you out on the water. And yeah, so he jumps out on the water, and he's doing real good. And then he realizes all of a sudden he's on the water, and there's a storm. And he takes his eyes off Jesus, and kerplunk, he goes. He sinks, and Jesus reaches down and takes him. And Peter was often a man who was very, pa very passionate, but oftentimes he would open his mouth, and he would insert his foot. And, and a lot of times Peter was even kind of naturally aggressive. We see his aggressiveness in the garden when they come to arrest Jesus. He took out a sword and cut off the guard's ear. So he was naturally aggressive. He was self-assertive. He was pretty self-confident in himself. But when he saw the feebleness of his own efforts and the great power of the Lord in Luke chapter 5 verse 8, this was his words, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When he saw the greatness of Jesus, he realized he was absolutely nothing and had no worthiness to be in his presence. That's what it looks like. It is to come to an understanding that in and of yourself, you have absolutely nothing spiritually to offer. And Jesus says, blessed, happy, are those who are that poor in spirit. Now, how in the world can someone be happy that understands they have absolutely nothing to offer? Well, look at the second part of the verse and you'll see it. This is the cause. In each one of these, he gives a characteristic 
And then he tells them the reason. This is why these who have this characteristic are blessed or happy. Look at it. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So those who are completely impoverished in spirit, they have absolutely nothing to offer. They're in need of everything. For, that word for is a Greek word that can be translated because. And it's even used that way in our text here. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the reason why someone who's poor in spirit is happy. Because they have, not might have, they have the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's here's what you need to know. Those who have the quality and the characteristic of being poor in spirit have the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because being poor in spirit, and I'll go back to something I jumped ahead earlier and said it, and I'll say it again. Because being poor in spirit is fundamental to salvation. You and I cannot be saved apart from being poor in spirit. Now, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican shows this. And he shows that to be justified, one must be poor in spirit. Now, let me read this little text to you. Found in Luke chapter 18. Perfectly describes what I mean by you have to have, you have to be poor in spirit to even come to Christ. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 18. I want to read verses 9 through 14. It says this. It says, The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I not like other men. That's a great way to start a prayer, by the way. No. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this, and he points him out, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, not even willing to get close at a distance. And look at what he says. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, you and I, let me say it like this. Only when we are poor in spirit are we willing to acknowledge that God must fill every aspect of our need for salvation. That we have absolutely nothing to offer. We have no goodness in and of ourselves. We understand what the Old Testament would say like this, that our good deeds, that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God. They're so unworthy. We have nothing. We have no goodness spiritually in ourselves because our spirits are corrupt with sin. And so that's what it means that that only those who are poor in spirit are going to be willing to acknowledge that God must fill us or we will forever remain empty. That when we are that we are in a place where God can save us when we're in that moment. God has never saved someone who come to him pridefully. You see, you don't get saved on your terms. You get saved on God's terms or you don't get saved. 
That's just the way it works. You don't come to God and make demands. God makes the demands and you follow through or you don't. There is no gray area. And the only way to be saved is to be poor in spirit. To understand, Jesus, I need you. I have nothing to offer. I've tried everything. I've done everything I can. And none of it works. I need you. And until we come to that point, we can't be saved. Because we're still dependent on our own selves in some way, some shape, some form to be good enough to be saved. And you can't. So why are those who are impoverished in spirit, Jesus starts with, blessed, happy are those who are poor in spirit because those who are poor in spirit have the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven as a guarantee. Another way to say this is the kingdom of heaven is made up of the poor in spirit. Everyone who is a Christian, truly a follower of Christ, is poor in spirit. You see, by the virtue of our coming to Christ in humility, repenting of our sins and placing our faith in him, we have become, an in, we, be, we gather and gain the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. At the time of salvation, when we become a son and a child or a daughter of God because of our, our sonship position, because of our child position, we are made heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That is, we are made partakers of his blessings in this life, and we will be privileged to enjoy the glories of heaven for all eternity. So, if blessedness means happiness in spite of circumstance, then the first way to have happiness in spite of circumstance is to know that your salvation is secure. That means that no matter what this world happens and no matter what happens to me in this world, my salvation is guaranteed. And I can be happy because it's guaranteed. I don't have to be happy with everything else because guess what, guys? We're all going to die anyway. I heard it like this. No one gets out of here alive. We, our bodies, all of our bodies physically are going to shut down. There will be a day when our hearts stop beating, when our, we stop breathing, when our brain starts, f- stops functioning, and our bodies physically will shut down and we will die. Sometimes it's because of old age. Sometimes it's because of a sickness. Sometimes it's because of an accident. Sometimes it's early in life. Sometimes it's late in life. But no matter what of those circumstances, I can be happy because my salvation is guaranteed because of being poor in spirit. Because only those who are poor in spirit can have salvation. 